I know your father's not here, but you can always look to other people um, for mentorship. And you can always take qualities from the other people that are inside of our neighborhood. Within three years of release, two out of three ex-offenders are rearrested. Clearly, something is broken. It's time we strategize ways to prevent repeat offenses. Our brainstorming session starts now. Welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon. Hello and welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon Podcast. I'm your host, Michi J. Today we are finishing up my conversation with Rashad Coleman, the hero Philadelphia police officer, loving father, a criminal justice advocate, and the author of The Fatherless Son. Rashad is helping us to know how to reduce the risk in fatherless homes. Today, we're going to hear more about what happened to his father and some of the criminal justice activities a family can do to help resolve these cases. Now, let's listen to part two of my chat with Rashad. So me and the attorney general, we were going back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. She agreed to, to meet with me about my father's case. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm going through a lot of, <laughs> I'm skipping a whole lot of details, but we we eventually got in front of her and, and we sat down and spoke with her and she put her top deputy or top prosecutor on the case to look into uh, all the trial transcripts, the original police report, all the questions that I've had, I've asked throughout the time he's been out. And he came to the conclusion that all the evidence had been discarded, right? And miraculously, my father received two life sentences plus five years and there were fingerprints found on the scene of the crime from the suspect mm-hmm. miraculously destroyed uh, a coat mm. that the, the the suspect had on which had dna all over the coat miraculously destroyed all these oh. things all this evidence that's, right that, that's terrible yeah. yeah from 1987 that could be tested mm-hmm. and today's technology right. destroyed except for one thing which was the atm photos which was the nail in the coffin for my for my father essentially was them saying that this this photo, um, which was in black and white, which was very grainy, was my father, and so they still have the photos. I don't know how they still have the photos, but they do. They turned them over to me. Um, the photos look great, and we sent them over to a photo forensic team, mm-hmm. and that photo forensic team is 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 starting the process of either saying it is him or it isn't him. Um, and I think you can guess probably you know where I stand where I stand with the photos, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And well, once up, once we get these photos right. um, and the report to go along with it, we'll take it back to the attorney general and see if she'll reopen the case. Right, right. That's that's good. That's good. Um, you've already you've come a long way. I'm glad your dad is wanting to uh, pursue this. You know, especially with him being innocent, and that just shows it right there. If you know, why would you want to keep doing that? If you're not, if you're not innocent, you're already out. But I can see him, you know, wanting to get off that um, that monitoring yeah. thing. But um, that helped with you being a police officer, knowing what to look for in those reports, though, too, right? Yes, knowing yes. How to look it up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was that, that was vital. So I couldn't use, I, I can't use my police power to go in and look at like the actual. Like I can't say, hey, I'm a cop. I need to go in and look at evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a piece of power, of course, but I can re- request records, right? So that's what everybody needs to know. You can always request request a record. I can, you can always request that first police report when you got arrested. You can all if there's anything to do with the FBI, you can always put in a Freedom of Information Act request 
and, and by law, they have to answer you. And most of the time, they'll give you whatever information that you're looking for, as long as it's not an active investigation. Right, right. Okay. All right. Because I know my brother, Tom, he's been in and out of trouble. And um, he does say, say at times, oh, that's something they fabricated. And I'm, I'm telling him it's hard now because you have cases mm-hmm. already. And it's, you know, just letting people know, like, you is you need to be careful getting us because it is so hard. It's so easy for something like this to happen to you when something else happens. Um, yeah. So just be wary. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, that was one thing that my father had going against him also is that he was no saint when his, when his whole thing happened, right? He had been arrested, uh, I think twice already. He had mm-hmm. broken out of juvenile, juvenile hall one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it was all like real petty stuff. It was like stealing the dollar out of a car or, mm-hmm. you know, s- stealing like a car. I don't know, j- just like little like like knickknacks from a store or something like that. Right. You know, it was all these small things. But I'm sure when they got in front of the jury, they made them seem big. Oh, oh, right? of course. Of yeah. Course. You're the worst person in the world to, mm-hmm. to the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, once you, you it, it's one of those things that it's easy to get into, but it's hard to get out of. It's hard to get out of. Oh, it's so hard to get out of. <laughs> I've seen it. It's like, oh, it's so much money. It's so much time. And yeah. it's like a full time job trying yeah, to get yeah. them out. Um, yeah. So that's why I used to like, please don't get in trouble. Please, you know, my brother <laughs> yeah. go outside. So where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> I can't go everywhere with you type yeah. of deal. So um, that's that's really good. I'm, I'm, I'll be um, praying for that situation. Thank so you. I know besides, you know, going through this this um, case right now, which you're still trying to um, find this evidence and get him totally exonerated. Does it still affect you being coming out of a fatherless home in any type of way? Yeah, I, th- I think it affects me a lot um, with my children. Really? Um, oddly enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I I knew the kind of parent that I wanted to be. I'm mm-hmm. um, always, you know, all, even as a youngster, I asked God to let me have a daughter first. I always loved like that father daughter dynamic of mm-hmm. trying to do my daughter's hair and messing it I up. I saw pictures of you, yeah. by the way. And I just I'm so envious. But go ahead. Yeah. So- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I just love to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love to do it. And I, you know, I thank God every day for for listening to my listening to my wish and listening to my prayers. And answering my prayers. Um, but one thing I found in looking at my father's looking at my father's case is I wanted to do a deep dive in his life also. Um, and he was, you know, kicked out of his house at the age of, I think it was like 13 or 14 years old. Mm. You know, he was kicked, kicked out of the house. Um, his father was kicked out of the house by his, you know, his grandfather when he was about 14 or 15 years old. Um mm. And so there was a trend, which I was trying to show my father, there was a, there was a trend of things that, you know, that were happening um, mm-hmm. in your family, mm-hmm. um, sort of a generational curse, so to speak. Yes, it is. Of, yep. of things that just kept continuing to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I pray for those things, you know, not not to be like that with me. And mm-hmm. I think that I'm sort of, I don't want to say the opposite with my son, but I think I give him a whole lot because I want to, I, I want to break that curse. So I'm always like, Yo, you're my baby boy. You know, you got to listen and you got to do things the right way. And, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of trying to be there for him sometimes that he doesn't, you know, fall off that bike. You know, the kid has to fall off the bike in order to really learn how to ride. It. Mm-hmm. But I'm always like on the side of him trying to make sure he doesn't fall. 
Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, you know, for me, that's how it still affects me to this day, not having a father. Cause I don't mm-hmm. want my son to, to, to fall and, and scratch himself, uh, metaphorically speaking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, wow. it's, it's something I'm praying about, something I'm, I'm, I'm constantly um, talking to some of my mentors about, um, which, you know, I still have some great mentors from when I was young wow. that are able to just continually give me good insight about being a father and being a husband um, and, and, you know, being a police officer and all those things that come along with it. That is a good point. You know, also getting them mentors, mm-hmm. you know, right people that can help guide them to know how to make the right decisions and stuff. And then the fact that you still have them, that is I can understand why you where you are. Really, yeah. I really do. And it's, you know, we see the effects all over of just fatherlessness, you know, even, you know, with young girls as well, um, mm-hmm. not knowing how to be in relationships either. So or, or knowing how to be a, a mother and, and, and how to keep the family together. Yeah. Um, so this. It, it sounds like, well, how is, how is your mother doing now? Is she, is she okay? Is she still here? Or? Yes. Yes. Is she still here? They, um, they got remarried wow. after he was released. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're married, you know, living in the same house. They're, do- they're doing well. Mm-hmm. She's one that has always, always protested his, his innocence, mm-hmm. um, and things. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll take the conversation sideways a little bit. Um, you know, I, I have a chapter in my book that says the first time I saw my mother cry mm-hmm. and uh, kind of tell you what kind of mother, you know, she is. She, my, my father, the crimes that I spoke of earlier, uh, my father's African-American male, both the, both the women um, that were the victims were uh, white females mm-hmm. during that time. So mm-hmm. um, around eighth grade, I told my mother, yeah, I got a new girlfriend, you know, blah, 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 blah. She said, oh, you, you're laughing. She must be cute. And I said, yeah. She, you know, she asked me where she lived at. And she lived on the other side of the tracks, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you know, my mother was essentially telling me, like, I don't, I don't want this for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, your father went down a path of being accused by a white woman of doing something to him, and and I don't want that to be your life. I don't want that. I, I've seen what the system can do. I don't want that. You know, I don't want that for you. Mm-hmm. And it was my first time me and her having like a real, real intimate moment. And me kind of seeing her, me seeing her cry for the first time because she was always mm-hmm. so tough. And I got to keep the family together. I got to work harder. I got to do double shifts to make sure we have a, you, you guys have Christmas gifts. And, you know, you got to have a nice suit for, for Easter and, you know, all those things. And that was the one time um, that I seen her, you know, seen her really break down and cry um, because I was dating a white woman. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that was the first time she sat me down and explained to me uh, what my father was being accused of. Oh. So. You know, throughout the years, um, we've all, me and her have always had a very, very close relationship. To answer your question, she's doing very well right now. Mm -hmm. Um, She's hopeful about everything that's going on. She's she's grateful for my father holding on all that time. You know, some of the people that had to do with the case are not even here anymore. And yet here he is, you know, back working a full time job every day, you know, walking to work. Um, you know, taking a bus and, and, and being mesmerized by things like Uber. Right? It's not 20, <laughs> I'm mesmerized by Uber. Okay, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> and, and, and so, uh-huh. you know, though, and, and just to go off the guy aspect, though so many things have happened to us in our family, you know, thank God for a mom that was able to keep it together. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like a wonderful story and just a uh, wonderful, like, love story as well. 
and uh, to keep it together. And that's, you know, that's a that's prevalent in the black community. I think Mm -hmm. when you have especially for, you know, parents um, being wary of their black sons dating white women Mm -hmm. um, is not so much, you know, nobody cares about, you know, who you date, but they're just scared about a backlash. Yeah. Because you know what was that Emmett Till that because yeah. my mother grew up during that time and she just she still talks about it mm-hmm. and um and it's just something that is of concern at times uh, even during this time because of what happened in the past but yeah, yeah just to let the audience know that's still something real in the black community um that sure. being yeah it is being and, careful. And- mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and I didn't get it at the time. Right. Because I was growing up at a different in a different era mm-hmm. than my mom was. So all my cla- all my classmates were were white, mm-hmm. not all my classmates, but a lot of my classmates were white. So it, it was it, it was kind of normal to us to all be friends and talk on the phone with each other. And, you know, that, you know, date date the opposite, um, you know, right, quote unquote race, so to speak. But it wasn't like that for her. Right. So at the time, I didn't understand it. But, I you know, of course, and growing up and, and looking at life and and the way things are, I do now. Um, after reading stories like Emmett Till, um, mm-hmm. and all those things that happened, you know, all, all those heinous things that happened to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get, I get it. it too. It's it's real things that you know have to get over um, any you know prejudices and stuff. But everybody is not like that. And um, I've I've seen beautiful relationships between all ethnicities and stuff. So, but it's you know, in the back of the mind, it do is is caution a little bit just because they don't want anything to happen. Mm-hmm. Not that they would try to prevent um, a relationship like that, because yeah. I know plenty of biracial. I shouldn't say racial because it's only one race, but um, relationships that work because you know we all are made in the image of God, and I believe that. All, all of our we bleed red blood and we we can love each other across those um those sort of lines and you have a beautiful family by the way i saw pictures and stuff you you guys i had uh contacted rashad um over facebook because of his uh book fatherless son and he said to me, uh, I guess I'll be on your little show. I don't know if I want to be. I said, and he called himself Officer Friendly, right? And I'm like, he is not friendly at all. But I just want you to say he's a comedian too. And But he did come on the show, which I absolutely love that he did. But um, it, And you say that your book is on, I know it's on Audible, as well, as well as Kindle. See, sometimes it's not on Audible, but on Kindle, but you have it on that format as well. So people, if you want this book, and I'm pretty sure you do, because it's giving a look into what happens to the family. Always look at the um, the inmate, you know, who's in prison, what's going on with him. But I understand, you know, I'm glad that Rashad, that you started to show um, actually what happens, you know, in the family, you know, and that, and that's kind of what I do as well in uh, my memoir that's coming out, A Prisoner's Pardon, and just show um, those like generational curses. And it's yeah. good to look at that to understand where we're coming from so we know how, which way to go. 
sewing mm-hmm. what to avoid and you are doing all the right things do, um the last question do you do you have your son in some sort of sport or have a mentor for him what are you doing with him yeah so he's in soccer um him and him and my daughter he's six years old oh he's uh, still junior yeah okay. my daughter is eight years old so they're just starting off they're, they're playing soccer um of course i'm out there like worried about him every time he falls on the ground he loves to fall on the ground for some odd reason but uh but he's doing well and, and i'm and i'm happy i'm happy for that um we also my wife and i both work in uh real estate so they help us out with with all those things so we teach them how to use a drill and how to put screws wow. in and how to you know what happens when the, when the toilet won't flush and what do you have to look at and all those things so we try to just instill a, a bunch of um a bunch of qualities and a bunch of values into our into our children um, that would that would benefit them uh, later on in life. Um, and you know, once once you get to that age, um, sort of like you said, mm-hmm. if I could go back a little bit um, to that question, how do you reduce re- reduce the risk? Yeah. One thing my mother told me I'll never forget is she said, "I know your father's not here, but you can always look to other people." Um, for mentorship. And you can always take qualities from the other people that are inside of our neighborhood. Not everybody here is a drug dealer. Not everybody here is carrying guns. There's a lot of, a lot of upstanding, hardworking men that you can look up to um, in this neighborhood. So that's what I would encourage other mothers, um, other, you know, some single mothers that, that are worried about their son. Um, give them that advice. You know, look, look up to somebody that's doing the right thing and you'll be fine. Wow, that is your mom sounds like a very awesome mother, by the yes. way. Very yeah. awesome. And then you were so blessed to have her as a mom. So, well, that's all today for us, folks. I'm sure you enjoyed listening to um, Rashad Coleman talk. And remember, he does have the book Fatherless Son out on Amazon. He also has a Kindle edition as well as the audio version as well. And you're also going to have another book coming out later after the the, the case uh, with your dad and the results of that. So I know that's going to be coming out, right, Rashad, later? Co- correct. Yes. Okay. So okay. We, we're we're in the final stages. Mm-hmm. Everyone keep their fingers crossed, mm-hmm. you know, send a prayer up that this thing works out the way we want it to work out, which is, you know, a, a full exoneration and essentially an apology right mm-hmm. from the state for taking my father for 28 years. Yes. Um, that's how we want it to end. That's how we know it's going to end. We're still pushing forward. And once that ends that way, I've been writing chapter after chapter after chapter now, and I'm just waiting for that, for that final, final chapter to come through and our second book will be here. Okay, great. That's good news. And it's going to be good news. Thank you so much. Well, that concludes my interview with Rashad. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I did to a police officer's perspective, especially one who happens to be black and a man and who came from a fatherless home. Here are my takeaways. What we see is a lot of resulting family insecurities from everyone in a family of those who are incarcerated. We see it from the mother, the child, the sister, And it causes a lot of these statistics that we see about doing poorly in school, teen pregnancies. This is a result of these insecurities. My second takeaway is we need to have structured programs and mentors in place. For instance, having sporting programs, like Rashad said, you can have art 
programs, a lot of after school activities, which you can have in place to have somewhere for these kids to go, as well as having a mentor involved. This can be in a school. This can be a church. The issue is this has to be done. If the school isn't doing it, the parent needs to find something for their kids to get into, because if they don't, they're going to find something to get into themselves. And more than likely, it's not going to be the activities you want them to get involved with. Number three, families need to share their experiences with each other. Like, for instance, if if it's a, a mom that's going through things because of her child, she needs to sit down and talk to her son or daughter that may be into these wrong activities or getting into trouble to just let them see the effects as well as the siblings. I see a lot where we need to um, do more communication within the family. This is something I've experienced myself and just knowing how to um, talk to each other. Maybe you can find some sort of family support or counseling to do that. My fourth takeaway is what Rashad mentioned about this police reward system. I think it should be reviewed because like he said, if they're getting rewarded for making all these type of re- arrests, it, they can be wrongfully like confused or they just wanted to make these arrests and make wanted to make these arrests and just make mistakes. So I, I agree with them. I did not know that. I'm pretty sure if you're not in this sort of know this background, you probably was just as surprised as I was to hear that. But that was a very interesting thing, what he what he spoke about there. The last thing is number five, families of those who are incarcerated should become aware of the criminal justice programs, those advocacies that can help their loved ones. For instance, Rashad mentioned the Innocent Project understanding what a pardon is or a sentence uh, commutation. Those are things that family members should be looking into um, just to help their incarcerated loved one if they um, should, you know, need something like this. Because I think a lot of us, you know, because I have a family member that's in prison, I didn't understand all this. And this is really something that, everyone that have someone that's in jail should look into. Well, those are my takeaways. Thank you for tuning in today. Until next time, I'm Michi J. Wishing you a week filled with blessings. Thanks for tuning in to the show. For more information on our guests and resources, visit prisonerspardon.com. If you're enjoying the content, follow, like, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, please be sure to leave a rating and review. Until next time, God bless.